Okay, so talking about the gospel of peace. So we need to help people understand that the gospel is a gospel of peace because people still think, many people think that God is angry at them. Yeah, many people think that God is, um, God is mad at them. God is not happy with them. But the Bible makes us to understand that the wall of hostility, now these are big Christian language, I, I try to avoid them. So the, the wall of hostility, which is the, 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 this, the dividing wall of separation between humanity and God in the person of sin has been removed through Christ Jesus. So in, in old times, in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, now mankind was spiritually dead separated from God, was not alive to God, did not have God dwelling on the inside of him or her. But through Christ Jesus, through the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, mankind, especially the death of Jesus, that dividing wall of separation, that sin was sticking out and man was united back to God. Amen. Man was united back to God through Christ Jesus. And mankind now have peace with God. Amen. Let's go to Romans chapter uh, 4, verse 23, so that I can show you from scriptures what this actually uh, means and how this is documented in the Word of God. Don't forget that the Bible is written as a letter, right? It was one letter written and um, people divided it into chapters and verses for reference. Amen. Praise the Lord. Romans 4, 23. It reads, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It said, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, uh, but also for us. He's talking about Abraham. But also for us, it shall be imputed to us. Talking about righteousness being imputed to Abraham. Right? Righteousness as a gift. Righteousness means, the righteousness of God means God is a source of that righteousness. So there are other kinds of righteousness that God is not a source of. And any kind of righteousness that anybody wants to attain or receive with their own effort and not as a gift from God, not a gift of God, is counterfeit. And those kind of righteousness cannot help people to boldly stand before God because those kind of righteousness are the righteousness you perform to get. And you cannot do... <laughs> You cannot perform well enough to receive, to, to be able to stand before God without feeling condemned. Can I say to you that as long as we are not perfect people, we'll always have a feeling of unworthiness. It's an emotion, you know, you would do something that makes you feel like you fall short of God's glory, you fall short of God's standard, right? And you will always feel kind of um, unworthy of God in an element or the other. And that is why our performance, our effort should not be our foundation or basis of righteousness. We should not define our, our reason or rationale for standing before God by our effort. How much effort, whatever you're doing, don't even think about, don't even look at it. As, as much as anyone or as long as anyone is trying to use their own effort, their own good works as a basis of acceptance to stand before God, right? They will always struggle with condemnation because you and I know, I repeat, we are human beings with flaws on our journey of transformation. So we will never be perfect. Jesus is the only perfect person and that was why he was qualified to die for our sins. 
No human being is perfect. Right. So as long as you know you are not perfect, you better don't look at your own personal effort and works as a basis to stand before God. Rather, look at what Jesus has done. And that's why God told, the Bible tells us here that God imputed righteousness, his own kind of righteousness, righteousness, which is which which he is the source. He credited it to Abraham's account by faith. Just because Abraham believed God credited righteousness to him, it was credited, given to him. It was a gift. He didn't work for it. Amen. So let's take verse 23 again. Now, it was not written for his sake or alone, but it was imputed to him, imputed, credited to him. But also for us, uh, it shall be imputed to us who believe. So righteousness will be imputed to us who believe, not people who worked for it. I repeat, righteousness is the ability to stand before God without a sense of judgment, of condemnation, of unworthiness, of or inferiority. Being able to stand before God as a child of God with so much freedom and liberty that you can just you can just cuddle with God. You know, when when I say cuddle, I'm not talking about um, the physical cuddle whereby you go and lie in the hands of your mom or your dad. But in your heart, you just they say there's this warmth of of God's presence of God's love that when you switch your heart to believe in the love of God that love that God loves you unconditionally there's a warmth that envelops your heart and some of you can feel it can perceive it right now as I'm speaking to you amen so God's kind of righteousness can only be credited to us can only be imputed to us by faith and all of this is written in the gospel now so but also for us verse 24 but also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So how is righteousness imputed to us? By believing in Jesus Christ. By believing in God who raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead. Now, verse 25 tells us the significance or what the, what the death of Jesus means. Now I said, who was delivered up because of our offenses? So Jesus died because of your offenses. Now are your offenses taking it, taking it back to peace? between you and God. Now, your offenses may be a reason why you think you're unworthy of God. Your offenses may have been the uh, barrier, the gap between you and the Father, right? That is not making you to feel uh, worthy of God or feel at peace to walk with the Father. Now, those offenses that you're referring to that are still in your mind, the Bible says that the death of Jesus, right, cured those offenses, forgave you of those offenses, was the payment for those offenses. So Jesus, through his death or in his death, you know, handled, took care of that offenses, that, that, that uh, wall of hostility, like I said, with that dividing wall of separation between you and God, Jesus' death handled that, right? Jesus' death did what? It handled that. So if your sin or the sin of humanity or your father or your grandfather's sin, I mean, people have different kind of perspective as to what kind of sin that is standing between them and God. Some people believe that it was because their parents or their forefathers were idol worshippers. When I say idol worshippers, they believe in other gods or, um, other than the almighty God, the, the creation, the creator of the heavens and the earth. So people just latch onto one thinking, one ideology of the re of reasons why God cannot be happy with them or God cannot accept them. Whatever that uh, dividing wall of hostility may be, whatever that separation may be, it just got caught up there. It's a strange, the kind of way the things got caught up. I don't know, right? But whatever God has in store for you today, 
you're going to receive it. Amen. I will go to carry on. Praise the Lord. Right. So, uh, where did I stop? I was talking about Jesus' death for your sins. Jesus' death for your sins. Uh, okay. Jesus' death took care of the sin and your offenses that were standing between you and God. Right. And if, G- if Jesus' death took care of that sin and took it out, right, he paid for your sin, then what do you have? You have union and restoration with the Father. So you should be happy that you now have peace with God. So as I was saying that, the book of Romans, every Bible, every cha- every book in the Bible was one piece of article or letter, so to say. But people broke it down into, uh, divided into chapters and verses for our references. You know, I, I, feel, I just feel like more excited in my heart this morning. I don't know why, but I feel God, was, God is going to be speaking to us this morning. Amen. Right. So now as we conclude on uh, Romans 4, 25, right, take it to the next chapter, right? It's still one, it's still one letter, the same letter, but, you know, divided into chapters. So Romans 5, it reads, so therefore, having been justified, what is therefore? Jesus died for you. The previous chapter, verse 25, Jesus died for your offenses, was delivered off for your offenses. And uh, the second verse is, it was raised because of your justification, for your justification, right? Now, having been raised from the dead for your justification, I think I, I didn't, I was going to cover the justification before we got cut off. Now, justification here means that you have been declared just and righteous. Declared just and righteous. So, after all the, all the penalty for your sins have been fully paid, right? The moment it was declared you were fully, they were fully paid, Jesus was raised from the dead. After all your sins have been fully paid, Jesus was raised from the dead to declare you righteous. So, when we say justification, we're talking about being declared righteous. So, the the predecessor the, the okay I'm, I'm trying to use um project project management language here so the predecessor to your justification to righteousness bring credit to your account is the death of jesus christ the payment of your sins so if you and i don't believe that our sins were paid for by jesus if you think we need to do some one million two million things for our sins to be forgiven right? We cannot attain full justification. We cannot receive the gift of righteousness. We cannot embrace it. We cannot experience the justification that we have received or that was given to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're still talking about gospel of peace, but I needed to show you what happened there so that your knowledge and your understanding of your peace with God can have substance. So you just don't you don't just go around shouting, um, I've been justified by faith, I have peace with God. What does it mean? What does that peace mean? Because that peace is not an emotional state whereby the days you feel God is happy with you, and imagine you are feeling, you feel God is happy with you, those days you are fine. But the days you don't feel I don't, I don't know how you know God's emotion on, a, on every day, on a daily basis. But the day you don't feel like God is happy with you because uh, you fell short of, um, or you fell short in one area or the other. 
So those days you feel that God is not happy with you because you did something wrong, because you did not, you, you didn't do something. Maybe you didn't pray, you didn't read your Bible like some people think, right? So you, you, you feel, I'm trying to lay a fancy on that feeling so that we can feel embarrassed in ourselves. You feel that God is angry at you because of what you didn't do. You are feeling it. You're, you are feeling what each, you, you, you cannot see in a person or you cannot hear the person say, <laughs> Amen. Yeah. You, you have not seen God. You, do not, you, you have not seen God. You are not sitting with God face to face. And you are saying God is angry at you because you are feeling that way. No, it's your conscience that is, that is telling you what you did is wrong. It's your, and your conscience should kind of tell you sometimes that many times that what you did is wrong so that you can make correction. But to think that God is angry at you and God is, is not, God does not love you anymore because of your mistake is to be ignorant. And many people are mentally deranged in a sense because they are full of so much guilt and condemnation because they messed up somewhere and they think God is angry at them. It makes no sense. Amen. So as long as we think that our peace with God is built on our performance and our actions and not on what Jesus has done, will ever fall into condemnation from time to time. As we are coming out from of one condemnation and we mess up, we find ourselves in another condemnation. But I'm saying to you that Jesus paid for you and I sins once and for all. The sacrifice is once and for all. So your past, your, your present, and your future sins have been forgiven. It took care of them. It took care of sin. So you have advanced forgiveness with God. Now, but before you run off, let me tell you something. The advanced, for, the advanced forgiveness that God has given to you in Christ Jesus is not to give you the license to start messing about. Because Romans chapter 6, verse 14 to 16 tells us that Whoever you yield yourself slave to obey, that person's slave you are. So the question is this, and it says that either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness, right? Or life. So the question is this. Why should you, a person bought by the blood of Jesus, whose sins are forgiven, why should you intentionally go and yield yourself to sin and make yourself a slave of the devil? Why? Okay, let's go there so that it doesn't sound as if I wrote the Bible. So Romans 4, right? Let's go to, uh, to we're still in Romans 4 here, I'm trying to tidy this up. So let's take two steps forward to Romans chapter 6. So let's go to verse 14. For 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion, over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. But what then shall we say? Okay, sorry, but what then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. This line needs to be re-echoed and echoed and echoed and echoed. Like I said to people, if a person believes that they can carry, they can start living or continue to live a sinful life because their sins are forgiven. It shows they do not know the gospel. So Paul is saying, and the fact that you're no longer under the law, does that give you the liberty to keep sinning? He says, certainly not. Listen to this. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, 
you are that one's slave whom you obey. Friends, Jesus died for you and I, died for us. And we now intentionally go and make ourselves a slave of the devil. It is absolutely unreasonable, absolutely senseless. I'm trying to be nice this morning, but I'm not even struggling. So I think I'm on track, right? It's absolutely ridiculous. Somebody came all the way from heaven to die for you. Pay your pay, pay for the sins you have committed. Pay the penalty. Death died for your sins. Died. I'm not talking to you now. You are watching me. <laughs> I get me, but the person this applies to, they get themselves right. Maybe they're just trolling past, and then the Lord say, "You know, stay here and listen to this." Jesus came all the way from heaven to die for your sins. Freed you from the power, the hold, the, the, the power and the hold and the control and the dominion of sin. You now say, now that I'm a free person, I want to go and make Satan my Lord. It makes no sense. So I'm saying to you, living a lifestyle of sin is declaring Satan your Lord. It's simple. If we say because Jesus died for us and we have been freed from sin, and now, our current, or past, and future sins have been forgiven. And as a result of that, we, of that, we now have the right to live our life anyhow. And exhibit, or collaborate, or act out the, the madness of the devil. Then we don't know what we are doing. So I repeat, I'm trying to paint a picture in your mind. I'm praying that God will... We're able to print it in your mind so that when some believers come to you and tell you that, ah, you know what, God has forgiven you, let's go and do this, let's go and do that, that you can have a picture come up in your mind to say, why are you going to surrender yourself to the devil whom Jesus came to deliver you from? It makes no sense. It is dumb. I know sometimes our emotions can be so strong, right, because it has been conditioned and programmed to feel that way, to make us feel a certain way, right? And I'm not condemning anyone. I'm talking about people who see Christian, who see it good and nice to intentionally sin and keep sinning because their sins have been forgiven. So if anyone takes a part of my message and I don't hear this, you know they are, they're trying to listen to what will suit their ears. So this, need, this particular point needs to be echoed and re-echoed. So many believers who are reaping the consequence of their sinful lifestyle should not even think that God is the one who is angry at them. Don't even think it. It is your Lord that is angry, that is taking, that is doing what, that is giving you, paying you the reward of your, or paying you dividend for your actions. And that your Lord, in that sense, is the devil. So it means that you have declared Jesus as your Lord, but you have made Satan your Lord. There are two different things. To declare is to confess Jesus as your Lord. You, you know, you made, you, you, that, 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 that's how we get saved. The Bible tells us that if we believe in our heart, Jesus Christ, and confess him as Lord, confess. He said we shall be saved, right? So you are saved. You are a Christian. It does not invalidate your Christianity. 
So Christ, Jesus is in your heart. You are a Christian. But on your day-to-day basis, who is your father? Who is your Lord? Satan. Because if you live your lifestyle, you know, doing what Satan teaches his children to do, then who is your boss? Satan. So it is absolutely unreasonable, senseless for a believer whom Jesus died for to be living a lifestyle of sin. You know all those things that happen with those aunties in the church? Those dickiness, all those conversations on immorality. I come across them, I hear them. So that section of the church where all those conversations are going on, I, I hear a lot of things in the church, especially big churches. See, that section, so if you're part of them, if you're in that same corner, joint with them, that section, all of you, and I'm not, I'm not being mean this morning, every one of you in that carcass who come out of church meeting on Sunday and go to someone's house and do all manner of madness, all of you are Satan's children. Yeah? Because the Bible tells us that whosoever you yield yourself slaves to obey, that person's slave you are. It means that you have lost your right of control. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll rephrase it. It means that you have subjected your freedom to the devil. You know, when you when you a slave, a slave does not have a right of freedom of their own. They, I mean, their right and their freedom is in control of somebody else. So when we choose sin as our lifestyle, and we are looking at Jesus in the face like this and say, oh, forget about it. See, don't even consider yourself a follower of Jesus. No. And it's either we are on we are on the side of Jesus or we are inside of the world. I don't know why God is emphasizing on this this morning because I have I have not even started really digging into my teaching for today. Amen. So I'm gonna use a word, strong word. So let all this madness stop. I repeat, let all this madness stop. What is the madness? The madness is to intentionally live a sinful lifestyle all in the name of Jesus died for you. All in the name of your sin has been forgiven. It is what? Madness. Because we are talking about something very serious. If somebody came to die for you, to pay for your sins, and you then say, come on, our sins have been forgiven. We can't do anything. It is what? Madness. So anytime a Christian comes to entice you to sin, Right, and ask you to do something that you both know is against the gospel, is against the scripture. What should you see? Madness. You then say to that person, I'm not a madman, I'm not a mad woman, and I will not follow you in this because I refuse to come into your cult, I refuse to come into your bondage, I refuse to come into your fraternity where Satan is your boss. It's sounding too vivid, too big, but that's the truth. That's the picture we should have in mind. Because it's a big stuff. This, I mean, this is a big deal. Amen. Because the name of Jesus has been defamed. The name of Jesus has been defamed among, among unbelievers. Because of the conduct of many Christians. Amen. So how do we win the world to Christ when we are the one leading in ungodliness? Only the name, our, name, our sins are be forgiven. We got to wake up. Amen. That is um, 1A1A of my notes. Praise the Lord. Right. So, and I was saying that it is um, every, the book, the, sorry, the, the, the letters, the, the pieces were one letter which was divided into chapters and verses. I guess it's the reason why 
The devil tried to cut me off this morning, but he can't stop me from speaking the truth. Right. And I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I'm trying to paint pictures in our mind so that we have the right pictures. So that when another man's wife come to you and say, what do you think? You know, my husband is no around like, you just, what you see is I'm not a madman. Right. I have sense. I'm not coming into that space with you to be a subject to the devil. These are the pictures that should be running in my mind. These are the kind of pictures that run in my mind. You should go and hear Andrew Mark's um, version on adultery, when he talked about adultery, the kind of words he used to describe it. Andrew Womack said, he said he's committed to not committing adultery. He said, he said adultery is stupid. The way he paints adultery, even his brain, his mind, his body, his emotion, when they see signs of adultery, they will run because of how the man has programmed his mind and told his body and his senses to say, you know, adultery is no option or consideration on the table. Likewise, whatever sinful lifestyle, don't forget, I'm not talking about people who, I'm not talking about our mistakes when we, when we trip, no, we mess up. I'm talking about people who are intentional about it. That's their lifestyle. I've met them. I know them. I've met them. I know them. There are many, there are many Christians like that in the world. So a lady came to us, my wife and I, she came, she left. You know, many times people come, they meet me, they run, they run away for many reasons. Not that I mean, but because of what I stand for. But I tell you, each and every one of them has come back. <laughs> I've come back. <laughs> and this girl said to us, she said, hmm, you and Jolomi are the only true Christians that I met. I was like, I don't understand. And I was trying, my mind wanted to switch on and look at the people she has um, been in contact with. I was like, I don't allow my mind to go there because I don't want to fall into a judgmental mindset to start judging people. And she nearly mentioned name, names. She was like, hmm. so she, what happened is that in that church, she's been with, she's been close to the Christian leaders there. And once they've been presented and offered to her, she couldn't believe it. That is sad. Do you know how many people will go back to the world because of what we introduce to them, the sinful act we introduce to them? Friends, we got to fix ourselves. Sin was a dividing wall of hostility between us and God. And Jesus came to deal with us to take this out. So why do we then embrace it as a lifestyle? Why do we take ourselves back into the slavery and the bondage that God has taken out of through Christ Jesus? Amen. Maybe some of us should go and carry, should go and get the dimensions and the weight of the cross that Jesus carried and get some thorns and try to just, just simulate it and just don't allow it to prick you too much. To kind of and let people kind of beat you with um with with uh what's called to scourge you. Maybe they'll just brace you so they can have an idea of what Jesus went through for you and I. It's no joke, friends. And I know that as long as much as the the the, the as much as the world or the Christian dome of people who full of people, or okay, I'm trying not to not sound extreme here. So among believers, right, we have many people who do not know what salvation is about, who do not know what Christianity is about, right? So I want to I want to put it that way that, you know, people who go on sinning because their sins have been forgiven, they do not know the gospel. But if a person know the gospel truly and they choose to live that lifestyle, well, I, what I call it, I call it madness. And because you watching me, listening to me, 
you're an intelligent Christian. So you don't participate in that madness. Don't participate in that stupidity. Because it's going to destroy you. I read, I was reading this morning, the Bible says that, and it stood out to me. The Bible says, the sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin. So when the enemy wants to kill you, what does it do? It throws sins at you. It encourages you to sin. It encourages you to live in it. Because the thing is this, you may mistakenly do one and then you're out of it and um, you ask God for forgiveness. But continuing it is taking you to a path of destruction. And because you did not suffer a consequence, a major consequence, the first time you did something you should not do, does not mean you should carry on doing it. Because the enemy has a plan for you, a plan of destruction. Amen. I figure I was speaking to people this morning and um, I just had to do the job. Right, but let me try to finish up on that gospel of peace. So let's look at what, what is there for Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, 1 and 2. So therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. It's as simple as that. The gospel is the gospel of peace. The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is unto your peace. Your peace with God. The Bible says that God has called us to a life of peace. Peace with God. God is not hungry at you. God is not hungry with you. Amen. And don't create a dividing wall of hostility between you and God. Don't create one. So when I say don't create a dividing wall of hostility between you and God, I'm saying that don't bring sin into your relationship with the Father. It will not stop God from loving you, but it will separate you from God. It will keep you away from Him. And it's only in God that we can find safety, security, protection. So we should not keep yielding ourselves to ungodliness. It's going to ruin us. James 1 tells us that. And when sin has grown, so when sin has, um, has built up in, uh, uh, well enough in our lives, it produces death. And some people just think, that death in the Bible in this instance is cessation of life, you know, from, from ceasing to live or to continue to exist in this world or on earth. No, depression, anxiety. Some people are living as dead people. Their faculties, their senses are not working. And all manner of evil that we see today, murder and all kind of stuff. Some it is death because people have yielded themselves so much to evil. That evil is what is driving their mind how they think. And it started with just one. I've come across stories of people who were locked into immorality. I don't want to call the names because of kids in the church. Into deep immorality because they stumbled on a magazine in the, in the pawn shop or what's what called the shops of license. Because they stumbled on a magazine. At least I know of two people who stumbled on a magazine in this off-license shop and something happened to their head from there. Though, though some things broken in their lives at that point in time and the enemy just strategically got them to find an information somewhere that would be harmful and some people were locked in some kind of bondage cycle and a habit for many years. Some for 25 years, some for 30 years. 
the enemy taking beauty, glory out of their life. Because as long as you are held in one bondage of sin or the other, you cannot really see the picture of what God has in store for you. The enemy will slow you down. The enemy will delay you. The enemy will make you be look, to look in the wrong direction so that you don't see what God has in store for you. If there's anything that believers should stand their ground against and fight and not allow in their life, it's sin. Sin is too dirty, dirty, it's too, it's too wicked, it's too destructive. Amen. We have no clue of how this thing is ruining us. We got to fight and say, I ain't doing this. And we don't feed it. We don't feed it by watching all manner of movies. You know, my wife was talking, we were chatting yesterday and she was talking to me about um, how some people enjoy watching horror movies, scary movies, gory movies. And someone takes a knife and to just go and, and, and people imagine why, you know, they, they are scared and you know, they, they are afraid of sleeping in the dark or they, they, they wonder why when someone annoys them or a particular scenario, they watch the movie is played back to them. You know, they feel like acting the same way. You wonder why boys who are given to all manner of evil games, you know, when they are made angry, I know there's a, there's a lot of things in there. I don't want to just, you know, I don't want you to just think um, uh, games is what makes guys to be, uh, to, to become violent, right? There's usually some deep issues in the, in the mind and life of these guys and putting those horrible games in their, ma- in their hand is just, pro- just making the work easier for the devil to program them for destruction. Amen. So I hope that blesses you guys. Right? I really feel, you know, I can't, I, I'm not able to really go into talking about the things that God wants me to talk about. I, I wanted to talk about, but I just feel God really wants us to talk about the things I've shared with you guys. So guys, uh, point down those things, you know, discuss it with people. It's not the kind of message that people really like to talk about uh, because the reason why I believe many people don't stay around me because when they introduce me to one or two things and then they realize that I don't respond, they just stay away, right? I have, I have Christian friends in court we will not come close at all because they love the lifestyle of sin. They love it. They love it. And they know I will not tolerate it. I'm not mean at them. I don't even call it, I don't even challenge them or question them or attack them when they raise these things. But they can just see that it's different between light and darkness. And I'm not having it. And I'd rather be on my own and maybe with one or two friends than to have muscles of friends who are heading for destruction and who could influence me and my kids into ungodliness. I'm responsible for my life. I own my life. When I say own my life, I mean I'm accountable for my life. My life is mine. So I'm not going to allow anyone else to control it. And this should be the, ment- the mindset and the attitude of believers. The fact that one person is a minister of the gospel. Jesus Christ, help me, Lord. Guys, let's wake up. Let's wake up. The fact that somebody is a minister of the gospel does not mean that you do the evil things they advise you to do. No. Nobody's going to suffer the consequence of whatever you do for you. You will suffer the consequences. Let's wake up. Let's wake up to the reality of Christianity. Christianity is real. It's no joke. If it's not real to us, it's because we have not been, we've not been pondering and spending time thinking about the reality of Christianity. And what we think of the most becomes, is a reality to us, or is what forms our reality. Let me put it that way. Amen. 
the Lord help us. Praise God. So uh, I will carry on from here next week. I haven't. I I plan to speak to you guys about the power of salvation, the power of God unto salvation, the gospel. I was going to speak to us about salvation. I have a lot of stuff to to share with you guys. Uh, let's take it one step at a time. Let the Lord speak to our heart today. What did you learn? The gospel of peace. Jesus Christ's death and resurrection has removed the dividing wall of hostility between you and God. And now you have peace with God. God is not angry at you, but that does not give you the, the, the liberty to continue living a sinful lifestyle because living a sinful lifestyle is doing what? Is making yourself a slave to the devil. And that guy is going to mess you about. He's going to mess you big time. And don't think sexual immorality alone when I talk about this kind of sin. All manner of things that we do, anything that is contrary to love, the love of God, not the fickle, phony, seductive, lusty love that the world claims today. The love of God. The love of God has common sense. The love of God protects. The love of God does not abuse or exploit people. So people who abuse or exploit people, what are they doing? They are walking in sin. So I don't want us to be narrow-minded when we talk about um, sin. Or this, this, it. There's a wide variety. You know, people, people walk in anger and jealousy to sin. The Bible tells us in the book of James chapter 3, verse 16, that where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil walk. Anything sin is of the devil. So envy, strife, these are sin. People will create envy. People, sorry, people will create strife, will divide people. Bearing false witness is a sin. False witness has led some people to, to prison because somebody lied against them. So anything that is contrary to, to goodness, to kindness, to love, the love of God, I mean, right, is sin. And let's not give ourselves to it. Some people can gossip. Gossip, gossip divides family. You know, gossip, you know, ruins relationship. Let's stop it. Let's stop bearing false witness. Let's just stop gossiping. All these things are sins. It may make some people to feel good about themselves, you know, for recognition. But gossip is 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 evil. Amen. So let's think wide. You know, and let us not point fingers at other people. Let's look into ourselves and say, what am I doing that is sin that I've enjoyed, that I've made a lifestyle? Whatever hurts other people, even it may not even be hurting other people, but be hurting yourself. But whether what you don't know is this, if you have the mindset, lives depend on your life. And if you are not in line with God's plan and purpose for your life, you are depriving people of their protection, of their security, of their salvation, of their deliverance. So our lives should be linked unto Jesus Christ, not unto ourselves. I can go on and on and on. The gospel of peace, the sin between us and God removed, but it's not a license to be living in... Okay, you finish it. Praise, God, praise the Lord.